Hello, and again, welcome to Bit Depth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is pick an order, I guess. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I'm I'm Jack Martin. I'm Max Siegel. Uh, and you are the voices that are present right now from Off Brand. Off Brand. <laughs> <That's laughs> um. So I'm just gonna treat this as like a double interview in one thing. So, uh. Since you started, we're just going to keep that order going clockwise. Yep. How do we know each other? Um, we met at church camp yeah. like, <laughs> like a decade ago. Probably. I think point. I was – did you have to be in high school to go to that? I think yeah, I was a yeah. freshman. I, I don't think I was even in high school yet. I think it was the summer in between yeah, yeah, eighth yeah. grade and freshman year. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we. I don't, I don't remember if we really spent even any time together. On that trip, but that's right. that's how we met. Y- youth group and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Mac, how do we know each other? Uh, well, I mainly know you from uh, Bit Depth fame. <laughs> and then we ran into each other at a uh, Dr. Pants show once. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I had seen you around. Probably. Like, maybe when you still went to ACM? I don't know. Yeah, I think you yeah. were a year or two ahead of me okay. at ACM, so. Um. But yeah, actual first question, what do you do? Um, I play rhythm guitar and I sing in off-brand. Sweet. Uh, I play lead guitar and uh, do some uh, background vocals uh, in off-brand. I, I like to tell people that my job is the weedly-deedly-lease. <laughs> uh, and then I also... Um, teach and kind of run the school of rock and edmund and then we do a lot of like recording and production stuff yeah. i was gonna say you're the head producer and engineer for all of off brands recorded material as well that's don't true. undersell yourself over there. <laughs> so when it sounds bad you I'm know who guy. to call yeah. <laughs> um what makes you guys the worst band in oklahoma city Ooh, that's such a good question yeah um actually thank you for for asking that it's kind of got a little bit out of hand. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, no, we, we originally heard that was a zoot suit thing way back in the day. Mm. Um, zoot, zoot, zoot suit. Yeah. RIP. Um, they, they did something at a show that pissed some people off. And then <laughs> the people that they pissed off started the hashtag worst band in OKC in oh, reference yeah. to zoot suit. Yeah. Yeah. And then zoot suit repurposed it and they were like, we are the worst band in OKC, yeah, so yeah. they would use that on all their posts. But this was shortly before they broke up, and so it, you know, never really became that much of a thing. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. I loved the shit out of yeah, that yeah. so much. And so, like a year and a half or two later, I was on Lee Michael and Robbie's podcast, mm-hmm. um, the drummer and guitar player from Zoot Suit, mm-hmm. and I asked them off recording. I was like, "Hey." In my new band, can I use that? And they were like, yeah, totally. So Sweet. we asked for permission. So stop telling me that we didn't ask for permission because we did. <laughs> it just um, wasn't on record. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, I think that was Tim giving us a hard time. But, uh, yeah, no one told Tim. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we've been – yeah, we've been using that and then uh, – but whenever we've been using it, now we've had people who have become fans – argue with us about it they're mm-hmm. like and then they just reply hashtag best band in okc and i'm like i don't think you've heard all the bands in oklahoma city but that's my <laughs> own humble opinion <laughs> so that uh, yeah it's just 
an inside joke that I really liked, and yeah, then it, yeah. it's kind of become part of our part of our identity, which is really important to me. So, yeah. I mean, uh, so what? Uh, I I hate bringing up genre because it's dumb, but it's also easier for people to understand what it is. So yeah. what what kind of music do you make? So honestly, uh, every other musical project I've ever been in that's been a dreaded question. But I feel like for off-brand, it's it's pretty easy. Like, we're mm. a rock band. Yeah. Like, the things that we sound like are all, like, just rock bands. Yeah. Like, we pull influences from everything from, like, the Foo Fighters and ACDC. And, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we pull it from a ton of classic rock influences. Me, personally, I pull from a ton of, uh, like, early 90s bands. Mm-hmm. Um Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and stuff like that. My favorite bands, Foo Fighters, like you said. And uh, so we incorporate a lot of that, but our uh, melodies are very pop sensible. Mm-hmm. So it's like hard. I don't want to say pop rock because that's such like a buzzword, mm-hmm. but like hard, hard, hard pop rock, but not. <laughs> the only thing that's really pop about it is the is the vocal melodies but you got to you got to keep people you got to keep people's attention yeah i mean at this point like everything is pop yeah so it, it's really just like it, again do that's people the, yeah. is it, does this have mass appeal yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and that's when genre ceases to really mean anything yeah, yeah. because you're like well is it catchy sure then it's pop well Okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. We'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's good to be a just a straight up rock band yeah. in Oklahoma. There's cause not there a lot. Any, it's, it's a bit accessible <laughs> yeah. to uh, just be like, hey, rock. Yeah. You know what that is. Yeah. You know what to expect. Yeah. yeah. You're good. <laughs> and it's wide enough that I don't like. You're not pigeonholing yourself in any yeah, way yeah. saying, oh, you're a rock band. Yeah. It's like, We're a synth yeah. wave pop uh, vapor yeah. synth again wave band. <laughs> yeah, we're basement sub bubble pop. And someone's Whoa. like, what the fuck does Whoa. that even mean at all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you write about? Um, I don't know, Jack. What do you write about? <laughs> um... I mean, so right now, or, or not right now, when, when the band first kind of came to conception, I had songs that I'd written a long time ago mm-hmm. um, over the course of like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. So a wide variety of topics that, you know, some are more um, like relationshipy focused, you know, during my, my teen angst oh, yeah. a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I've always, I've, honestly always tried to stay away from that. I try to write about topics that are a little bit broader. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, there's, you know, you want to write about stuff that everybody has gone through. So relationships is an easy kind of target for that. But it's uh, in my mind, there's so much of that and there's, there's not a lot of real discussion about it. It's just like you bad relationship me it's bad relationship <laughs> yeah. and it's like okay well that's not really you didn't really add anything um <laughs> i mean uh i want to i want to write about things that are more um they make you think just yeah, a little yeah. bit i mean not anything crazy complicated but just like oh okay that's kind of neat you mm-hmm. know um like our song our first single that came out but then the sun 
it sounds like a relationship song in a lot of ways, but it's it's more about the relationship that you have with yourself and your environment around you. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of it can be interpreted however you would like, which is yeah, how yeah. I kind of like to write. Is yeah, like yeah. It, it means something specific to me, but it can mean something a lot broader to you or to you. Yeah. And uh, that song is much more about your relationship with your environment and your situation. And you know the chorus is, but then the sun. And that like full stop, that's the end, but then the sun. And it's like, okay, whatever's going on in your life, you know, maybe you had a you had a super bad night or just got broken up with, you got fired from your job, whatever, but then the sun. Mm-hmm. The sun's always going to come up. You're going to fucking see it. Mm-hmm. There's always opportunity for change and bettering yourself. And that's kind of what that song is about. So yeah, yeah. I, there's a relationship aspect to it, sure. Mm-hmm. But I really try to stay away from just relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> and that is kind of a, a problem with like, young bands yeah and everybody goes through that phase and that's fine you know you can learn from it and grow from it and i think Mm -hmm. most people do but Mm -hmm. uh are you like the primary songwriter yeah um so how does that work in just like rehearsal sense that you just come in with a fully fleshed song or do you just kind of like throw ideas out there and then people sort of contribute what they can i have a couple different methods um the primary one is I'll just write a guitar part and kind of uh, vocal melody at mm. my house, and then I'll bring it to band practice, and I'll let the rhythm section take a whack at it, and then it usually <laughs> turns super groovy. And then Mac fills all the space that we need with the Weedly Deedlies, as he said. <laughs> and then I'm like, here, we need a breakdown or a guitar solo. Or Mac's like, we need a chord change here because he knows how to write music, and I don't. And then we just do this and, and whatever. Um that's the primary one is and then after that after the like basically song is done then I'll go home and write lyrics to it and actually finish mm-hmm. you know whatever the song is about and I might have an idea mm-hmm. for lyrics but that's almost always the last step the other method is I will come to practice and while everybody's setting up I will just start playing something on my guitar sure. and if somebody notices what I'm playing and says it's cool then I might use that for a song. It's okay, like a yeah, secret. Yeah. I'm putting out feelers. Yeah, like, is yeah. this drawing anybody's attention? Is everybody ignoring yeah, yeah. me? Okay, we're not going to use that one. We're going to pull it right back. Pull <laughs> it right back, back to the drawing board. Okay, cool. Um, so do you, I guess for both of you, do you think that you need to have like a music theory understanding to make this thing happen? Absolutely not. Yeah, I would I would agree as kind of the well, I guess between me and Jeff, sort of the music theory nerd of the group. Like, I don't think you need it. What it does though is that like I hear when Jack is like doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um like Jack loves to write things that are like just the chords are just one, flat seven, six, and that's the okay, that's yeah. the chord progression. Uh and I'll take your word for it. Yeah. See. Um <laughs> And I'm like, okay, you, our last three songs were built around that chord progression. Let's do something different. And either I can take the melody that he's got and come up with a different chord progression that works with it or mm-hmm. whatever. It kind of, uh, I think it's really nice to have a voice in your writing process that, mm-hmm. that has that background just because 100%. like I get to be the shortcut for either Jack like I can kind of pick up on what Jack's trying to do mm-hmm. or um, when something needs something and Jack knows it needs something, but he doesn't know what it is. I can usually be the shortcut to getting there. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I kind of can be like, oh well, you're let's 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 pull this thing from, you know, from jazz or from whatever, and whatever the other influence happens to be. And yeah, yeah. Put it in here to accomplish whatever the goal is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I definitely don't think it's necessary. I mean, I I yeah. don't. I, I don't have I don't have anything, and I've been writing songs for years now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gabe is the drummer for Off Brand, and he's also my little brother. Mm-hmm. And so we basically learned how to play together. Yeah. And we, um, he was in drumline for a little bit, so he knows how to read music a little bit, but mm-hmm. not any theory or anything like that. Right, right. So we learned how to play together just by ear, and and that's how we write so much. And it's super cool to have Jeff and Mac in the band who are very oriented the other way yeah, yeah which i guess i guess you guys are the left brain in that scenario or are you guys the yeah. right right brain no right brain's the creative one left brain is the, oh, the uh, structured one you guys yeah. um it's, it's very cool because i have that kind of um buffer zone where it's mm-hmm. like i can write something and bring it to the table and max like again okay well this is kind of the same thing that you did over here so let's change it a little bit or yeah, yeah. or what have you but it's it's really nice to have that variety because we can come at it from two different sides and mm. that's really kind of neat. Um, especially when I my favorite thing is to bring something to the table that's a weird chord progression coupled with a melody line and Max like I don't know like on paper this doesn't make any sense right but in the setting of this rock band this works really well cool and again on paper I don't know. No one yeah, yeah. would have done this what, because I don't know the rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is my favorite well, thing. And that's good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's the weirdest, uh, like, yeah. on-paper thing? He oh, I've, got, I've got an immediate. Places thing. is the one that... Yeah, so there's a song we're working on right now where the, the chord progression is essentially the riff is just, like, a single chord that, like one or two notes move through. But if you extrapolate that into like a chord progression, sure. Uh, it becomes this, like all these weird, like gospel changes that, Ooh. uh, that they, they sound fine. And you've, you've heard these chords get used together before. It's not like this totally alien, like sure, yeah, yeah. revolutionary musical <laughs> idea. One, but it's not sharp some- five, <laughs> not six sharp five. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, but it's not something that, that, is like anything he's ever written before. And it's not something that I'm used to playing over because I'm not really a like jazz gospel mm-hmm. guy. And I have been trying for the last like two or three months to just write a solo over this chord progression. <laughs> and I'm, I don't really feel like I'm any closer than it was. I really need somebody who's just like a jazz guy to just like mm. do it for me. <laughs> but we're getting there. So that, yeah. that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Talk to Thane Medlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll give you something. <laughs> He'll give me something, yeah. It's just like it's. it reminds me of um, something by like The Faces, Rod Stewart, like some of that like hmm. early 70s kind of gospel classic rock kind of sound. And so I've heard it and I've heard people play these kind of very – obviously like rock and roll guitar solos over mm. it. So like, I know it can be done without turning myself into like, uh, Mateus or Asado, Masada. Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know his name. There's one of those guys, you know, who yeah, are Adam told me about him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Adam told me about him too. But, uh, <laughs> but I, 
I don't know how to get there. <laughs> yeah. Mac, I think you're doing a great job. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's fun um, though. It's good. I, every other band I've been in, I was the, well, I say every other, the all one other bands that I've really been in, <laughs> I was the principal songwriter. So I never, it's hard to throw yourself kind of a curveball, mm-hmm. you know? So it's actually really fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You. <laughs> um, are you not, not that you're necessarily like this, this band dictator, but are you open to having everyone else write stuff? And Absolutely. The band? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, we are, we're currently, I'm in the middle of a, I'm really hitting my stride as a songwriter right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm churning out a lot of material. Sure. Yeah. We've, we've only played what, three shows mm-hmm. so far. And we have like, <laughs> like 13 or 14 songs that are like 14 was the last count. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and those are like, and that's not including, you know, the songs that I personally have scrapped or put aside for later. So, um, with that volume of output, it, there's, uh, not necessarily like, not that there's not like a need for it, but it just, it's not ever like, man, we should write a new song. Does anyone have any ideas? You know, we haven't had, we haven't hit that yet. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anybody else in the band is really in a position where like uh, I feel like Jack is the kind of guy where, you know, maybe you scrap a lot of stuff, but just writing comes pretty easy. Like you can always write something. You don't always love it. You don't always want to keep it, but just writing things is easy. And you just have enough of that happening that you have to do something with it. And that's kind of what this band does. And yeah, uh, I Jeff is like getting a comp degree and he's uh, a master's and he's got he's actually a musical genius genius he's he's <laughs> got those chops but I don't know that Jeff is really a songwriter of course he surprises me all the time so he, I don't know Jeff has written like two full length metal composition albums that mm-hmm. are purely instrumental yeah um He's incredible, like stupid incredible. And you would not think that looking at him, like he just looks like, oh, playing bass is fun, you know, but he's like that's, actually. That's what every bassist yeah, looks like he's, all the time. He's actually stupid talented. Yeah. And, uh, but he doesn't write songs. He, he does, yeah, he doesn't really write songs, especially that off brand could mm-hmm. perform at all. Sure, sure. Which yeah. is kind of where like the shared composition comes in. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I would not say, like, But Then the Sun, the first song we came out with, I would not say, I wrote. But then the sun, like I wrote mm. the lyrics and I wrote the basic chord progression for it mm-hmm. and some of the breakdown. But the the lead guitar parts are all Mac. The whole rhythm for it came from Jeff and mm. Gabe. And it's like sometimes we have ideas for what the other person should play, but a lot of it is so much shared stuff. Operant is very much a band. Like yeah, yeah. I am a lot of times like the the throttle for that like the the spark that gets it going mm-hmm. but i it is very much a shared shared effort and definitely in the future we're definitely going to see some songs from mac because i know that he's going to write something he's done it before where he's write something and he's like this is an off-brand song and mm-hmm. we're definitely going to use some of that stuff because i i think i still think you're a really good songwriter 100 percent. pluto rest in peace was sold band by the way they were uh mm-hmm. they had some really cool yeah. songs i so the thing that I was kind of getting to is like, and I, I am definitely, I consider myself a songwriter, but I hate kind of the, one of the reasons why Pluto is not really a thing anymore is I 
hate being in a position where there is a creative endeavor that involves multiple people that is dependent on me writing things. Because I <laughs> I write when I have to. You're like, the opposite of me. Yes. Like yeah. something is going on in my life. Something is rolling around in my brain or whatever that I have to get out. Yeah, yeah. And then I write a song. And usually when it happens like that, I think it's really good. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really gotten good at sort of forcing that. Yeah, yeah. And um, being able to just at will kind of flip that switch. And mm-hmm. uh, honestly, that's the role that I like that role for songwriting in my life. And I don't really feel a need to push Force beyond it. that right yeah. now. Um, so yeah, that's, I think Jack is definitely the principal songwriter mainly because um, for all of our various talents, nobody else really wants to do that. So <laughs> system works. Yeah. yeah. We gotta, it, that's, and that's, it was very important to me that off brand be a band. Mm-hmm. Off brand is not Jack plus Sure, yeah, yeah. it's very much a band, and that's what I always wanted that that dynamic. And uh, yeah, it's not uh, it's never anything that I would want to do by myself. Yeah. So and I, so I'm very proud of the fact that we are very much a band because there's a lot of acts that aren't aren't like that, and I feel very mm-hmm. fortunate to be in an act where I'm with super talented people that I can mm-hmm. bring something that I'm proud of to yeah, the yeah. band, and they're like, "That's really cool. This is how we make it better." And mm-hmm. then we can eventually take it to a place where we can play live. So. Yeah. Uh, why off-brand? Why that name? I did not want us to be named something serious, cool. frankly. it. Yeah. There's a lot of bands out there with really terrible names. There's a lot <laughs> of bands out there with really good names. Um, there's a lot of bands out there that have funny names that are too silly. Like, And a lot of times, you know, you can... Here's somebody's band name and you know what genre they're in. Sure. It's kind of a fun game to play. Um, and we were we were tossing around band names for what, like two years? Like before <laughs> Off-Brand even played together, mm-hmm. it was like kind of a – it was something that I definitely wanted to start. Even back when I was in Noise, Bleed, Sound, it was mm-hmm. definitely something that I wanted to start. And I knew it would be me and I knew it would be Gabe and I knew it would be Jeff and we need another guitar player. And Matt, we were talking to Mac like two years ago about this and just yeah. never really did anything. But we've been, we've been kicking around names for God, so long, <laughs> so long. Some of them were Foo Fighters ripoffs and some of them were just totally ridiculous. Like I had a list on my phone of probably 80 different band names. Mm-hmm. Some of them were just in there for jokes, like leg nipples. That was never going to fly. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we had we had a lot of different band names and off-brand seemed to hit the mark of it's like definitely snarky and sarcastic, but at the same time, it's also not like, you know, something. Leg nipples. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not it's, like leg nipples. It's not nipples. so ridiculous. Yeah, that and it's like, can't be taken yeah, we seriously. can put it on a t-shirt, you know, it's not profane. Um, mm. And our barcode logo is like a super stripped down like simple thing that mm. i i really really enjoy is that and an actual barcode it should be i, I think, think it is it i don't i don't remember we we had it should be a barcode specifically to something hilarious. that was the that was the joke we wanted to do was have the barcode be for something and like, we were going to pick like like condoms at walmart or, or yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah adult diapers something like that but uh that's something we do plan on doing in the future. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, as of right now, I don't think the shirt actually is a barcode. It could change. Could change. Like, 
periodically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think it'd be really cool eventually to have it be like tickets to a secret show or something like that that nobody knows until they just scan it on accident. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all plans for the future. Yeah, yeah. Get a... That's why you got to keep a QR code reader on your phone for yep. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, old bands. So, I mean... Let's do that. Uh, noise Bleeds, uh, Pluto Rip. Who, who Pluto wants to start? Rip. Go ahead. I've been <laughs> um, talking a lot. Go ahead. I mean, I don't know where uh, Pluto Rip is uh, not officially, but I'm pretty sure officially defunct. Yeah, yeah. Um, we... It was a lot of fun. Like it was basically just me and Green and bass player X, whoever mm. it happened to be, because um, we could never hang on to a bass player for no particular reason. Just always something. I kind of play bass if you need. <laughs> well, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know what uh, that was a thing. There's still music out. If you want to go hear it, I'm mm-hmm. really proud of the music that we made and what we put out. Um, I'm. Super, super bummed that a bunch of those songs hadn't hadn't got put out, and hopefully, mm-hmm. I kind of want to try to do something with some of the songs, but then that involves another person, and yeah, yeah, to either get Green to let me do that, which not to say that he would or wouldn't. I haven't talked to him about it, but mm-hmm. uh, Dakota Green, who was also on an episode of Bit Death, he was he yeah, was yeah. our drummer, uh, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any like questions. I don't know how much. Well, I mean, to say. I guess just like, um, what about them? And sort of like why? Not that you can't be in more than one band at once, but it's like, why is it that like off brand is more of what you're focusing on? And sort yeah. of like, why is it? Okay. That, <laughs> yeah. So the <laughs> reason why Pluto uh, isn't a thing is uh, we had a bass player. He left to go back to school. And it was like bass player number four. And we were kind of mm-hmm. just over it, taking a break. And then we found out that one of our previous bass players was an actual pedophile. And we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and that was just kind of a, a shock to the system, mm-hmm. you know? And I think Green and I were both kind of down to like, okay, this whole project has been a disaster. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it was a lot of fun in a lot of ways. But in terms of like us trying to actually make a run at being a prominent local band sure yeah uh i didn't really want to have to make myself write songs regularly and we couldn't hang on to members and um i i would imagine we both were just kind of over it by the time it was done and so yeah would it would you eventually like reboot something or something in like the the a spiritual successor in in a way to so i have just now started to kind of get the itch Mm-hmm. A little bit. There's a couple of songs kind of rattling around. Um, I mean, how long has it been since you wrote a song for what was? I mean, how long has it been since you wrote a song like that for Pluto? For Pluto, I mean, we. This is the other thing is right around the time we got done, there were a couple of new songs that were oh, okay. up, which hadn't happened in a while, which was cool. But mm. um, I, uh, I want to. I, I kind of want to do something again. That's sort of a, a me project. Um, but it would be like, I write songs when I feel like it. And then those songs yeah, yeah. get recorded and then me and whoever just play shows whenever you yeah, feel yeah. like it, like kind of a low pressure thing mm-hmm. um, just cause the fun of it. But, yeah. Um, and maybe that thing would include Dakota. Maybe not. Uh, he is 
pretty busy with the sweet talkers right now and they mm. seem to be having a good time. Uh, and honestly, Dakota and I kind of always had different ideas of what we wanted the band to be. And sure. the sweet talkers are pretty close to what Dakota always kind of wanted the band yeah, to yeah. be. So, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, I've thought about maybe just trying to start Pluto back up on my own. If I could get green to be down for it mm-hmm. or, or just do something different. I don't know. It's not find a basis that is not a pedophile. Well, probably I probably wouldn't be too concerned with finding in anything. I would just Mm -hmm. write the songs, make sure that I've got decent demos and charts for things and then just say, Hey, who wants to play a gig? Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much how, how I do my thing. Yeah. I have my songs written and then just like hire the band when, whenever you need to book a gig. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, that's kind of, that's pretty much my musical existence outside of off brand. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, but maybe something eventually. Yeah. And yeah. But you also play with uh, pants. That's right. I play bass with pants. That's, that's a thing. I, I <laughs> don't act like it. you forgot about it like that. That's no, I did. I, I did. I do because the great thing about pants is I show up and I play bass and then I go home and occasionally get paid, uh, <laughs> which is, which is nice. Depending on whether or not you play at VZDs or not. Yeah, pretty much Uh unnamed venue. Here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's also a thing. Super fun. I think uh, Pants is starting to write some stuff. I think maybe he wants me to help him record some stuff, which I'm excited about. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, uh, maybe some new Pants in the future for the first time in a hot minute. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, he did put out that like electronic thing that was like I don't know if you ever yeah no I I, yeah, I can't yeah. even remember the name of the project now, but it wasn't under Pants. It was under something else and. I th- I think that was older stuff that you yeah, just yeah. kind of had floating just around. Took samples, and yeah. Made a cool thing out of it. Yeah. I listened to it; it was neat. I think the <laughs> last pants actual pants record was in like 2012 or something like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, noise plates. What what was it? <laughs> um, what specifically would you like to know? I mean, just like what what? Why I guess am like I an what was now? it? How did it like form, and then why did it okay end? Um, <laughs> Noisebleed Sound started back in 2014. It was my first semester at ACM, and I met Parker, mm-hmm. and uh, we hit it off. Um, and uh, he had just left his previous band called Reg, which was a pretty big Norman band at the time, mm-hmm. and he needed a band. And I had also just. Um, we had lost our bass player. Gabe and I used to be in a, a different three-piece called 113th Street, and we had just lost our bass player. And so when I came to ACM, I was all about, okay, I'm going to kind of make a new band and yeah, you yeah. know form the whole thing. And I was the front man of that band, 113th Street, and that's what I was kind of looking to do. Um, but I was super green. You know, I didn't know... I didn't know how to run a band, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, 113th Street played like two shows in total, you know, and uh, I was very much at ACM to learn. You know, mm-hmm. and I was around a lot of teachers that knew who had lived that life and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. So I was open to any new experiences like that. And Parker had already come from a successful band and he was looking to start up his own. And I was like, okay, this makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. I am a guitar player and I have a drummer. I'm more of a rhythm guitar player than a lead player, and Parker's a lead player. So this works out. I'll just bring the two of us. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll join this <laughs> other band, unnamed at the time. And, uh, 
we'll see how that works. And Parker and Michelle mm-hmm. Demers had already um, kind of hooked up as far as music playing goes. And uh, we had a couple different bass players for the first year or so. And then we found Jeff, who moved here from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just started hitting it hard. We played, God, that first summer we played like six times at the deli in like three <laughs> months or something like that. Maybe even more than that. It was crazy. We played the Monday night band practice slot, which was very uh, humbling, I guess, shall we say. <laughs> we were not good for a long time, which is, you know, a lot of bands are like yeah, that, yeah. especially when how young we were. I mean, Gabe was 16 or 17 mm. when that band started. So yeah. he was a hot minute away from even walking into a bar. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he left his high school graduation party to play a show with noise bleed sound. Yeah. And uh so we I mean we played a ton of shows over that we were banned for four and a half years. We played shitload of local shows. We played all sorts of the surrounding states. Um mm. the highlight was we got to play Kane's ballroom, which was fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um but the beginning of twenty 20- 18? Yes. (laughs) The beginning of 2018, um, Michelle's family had all moved to Hawaii. Yeah. And she told us kind of in confidence, you know, she's like, hey, I'm thinking about moving to Hawaii to be with my family. And we were all like, go. Like, you know, it's your whole... Not everyone gets to fucking live in Hawaii. First of all, that. And also, (laughs) like, it was literally her whole family. Like, she had almost nobody here in Oklahoma. We were like, dude, like, we've had a good run. We're going to play Canes in like six months. Mm-hmm. that's a good enough, you know, go out with a bang for yeah, me. Yeah. So we all encouraged her to go and, and then it just kind of played itself out, um, you know, cause the singer was leaving and we, a couple years before that we had talked about the possibility of if Michelle left, would I be interested in being the front man for noise bleed sure, sound? Sure. And I didn't really want to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't First like all, a you. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, a yeah. me thing. And, you know, it would have to be an entirely new band because mm. I can't even sing those songs. And so <laughs> at that point, it kind of defeats the purpose of doing it at all. So, yeah. um, and plus at this point, I had built up like 20 songs that I'd written over the course of this time that I was like, I have to play these. Mm-hmm. I I love being a front man. I love being on stage. I love being the loudest and most obnoxious person in the room. <laughs> like, this is something I have to do. Um so Noise Blue Sound just kind of played itself out. And then uh, for that last year, once I found out Michelle was moving, that's when Off Brand started practicing. Yeah. And so um, for that next year, I was in both of those bands. And then obviously beginning of this year, Off Brand actually started playing shows. And uh, I, I'm not in any other side projects. I don't have any desire to. I think I think it's really important for you to have other musical outlets mm-hmm. because it allows you to draw experience and, and um, a little more introspection from those. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Noise Bleed Sound was a very um, important development in all, all, all of our lives that yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take lessons from for the rest of our lives, I think, for sure. But uh, it just wasn't, wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, but it also like was a good run just because it Oh yeah, you know, we were allowed. Doesn't we, exist anymore. Yeah, doesn't we were. Mean that yeah, the thing wasn't great. So. Yeah, we were around for a long ass time. We were around for w- way longer than most bands are <laughs> in, in any kind of local capacity. So mm. it was fun. Yeah. Um, what sort of your goal 
for off-brand. Total world domination. Cool. <laughs> On a, what what kind of scale? I guess like career scale. Like, do you want it to become the career? I do. <laughs> I do for yeah. me 100%. Um, I mean, it's doing this, um, you know, performing and, and writing and just being in front of a crowd and, uh, you know, seeing, even if it's just for a few minutes, people's, people's outlook improve, you know, if they're having a good time at a show or they listen to a song and they're like, Hey, I kind of like that lyric or, you know, anything like that. It's genuinely what I believe I was born to do. Mm. And, um, it's so hard to like talk about this without sounding super douchey. Right, right. But like genuinely, I I want to be in a fucking rock band for my career. And yeah. it's what damn near every living moment of my life since I was 11 years old, like building towards. Yeah. And, you know, Gabe, who I spend so much time with, I, I work with him. And we're in a band together and we play video games on the weekends and all this stuff. I spend so much time with him and he's like, God damn, dude, all you fucking talk about is the <laughs> band. And it's only getting worse now that we're starting to get attention because now you're excited about it. Yeah. He's like, you've spent so much energy in your life working towards being in a rock band and got almost nothing back. Mm. Now you're in a band that's getting a lot back. I can't even fucking deal with how much <laughs> you're going to lose your shit over this. And that's, I, I, I mean, like I said, it's hard to say it without being douchey, but I, I do want to be in a giant fucking rock band yeah. and I want to tour the world and just have a great fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of speaking for Jack more than for me or probably the rest of us, but I wasn't joking at all when I said yeah, yeah. world domination. Yeah, kind of, yeah, he said what I said, but in a better, classier <laughs> way, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the different members of the band have their different personalities, which I really like. Mac Max said it. We were <laughs> we were signing autographs after our last show, and Mac's like, Jack is totally okay with sharing the spotlight as long as he's also in it. <laughs> and I was like, that, you know, that makes... That makes total sense to me. And uh, we've all got our own different personalities. Some of us like being in the limelight more than others. And it it really works out. Mm-hmm. At least it has so far. Not a, not a super crazy test of time or anything. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it our, our dynamic really works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's wrong with our brains that we want to get up on stage and scream our faces off to people watching? I mean, whatever is wrong with Jack's brain is not wrong with mine. <laughs> I'm gonna go. What are you saying that's wrong with my brain, Mac? I don't know, but it's I don't have that same compulsion. That's um, all I'm saying. Man, I don't know. I mean, I know it's a thing that not most people have. Mm. Um it's a that's a hard question to answer. Um for me, it's the moment of pure, it's a pure, clean high. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's no strings attached. It's just, it's adrenaline and excitement and optimism and everything to me that is something that I look forward to in my day is culminated in that experience on stage. And I don't, 
I'm assuming it's something that you're born with. Yeah. I don't think it's something that you can like maybe grow into. Maybe, I, maybe I don't you know. just like experience it once whenever you're younger and then right. you just get addicted to yeah, it. Yeah. Like, or just fucking heroin addicts. Man, I don't know. It is fucking <laughs> heroin though. I mean, it's um and you know, people like it to certain different degrees, but whatever the upteenth degree to that is, that's what I have. Yeah. And I mean, it manifests itself in a ton of ways. You know, you could be the class clown or you could be the, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be being on a on a stage in a rock mm-hmm. band, but specifically, I mean, I I love that that feeling. And because I also like loud rock music, it's just the perfect marriage of that uh that high for me personally. <laughs> yeah. So. And I have it too. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like <laughs> I know I'm not thank yeah, you. Yeah. I was worried I was the only one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um so yeah, like it's I don't know. But we also like beat ourselves up for it and it's like, uh yeah. like yeah. I have to come out here and tell you the truth of my soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I guess getting to more uh well Questions that I should have asked earlier. How did you guys get started doing music? Um, uh, go ahead. So I started playing guitar because I was bored and had nothing better to do. And then um, there was a church that I went to. had a little youth band and their guitar player quit. And somebody somehow found out that I played guitar. I'd been playing like six months and came over and said, hey, mm-hmm. you play guitar, right? And I was like, not really, but I can try. <laughs> and then uh, I had to get relatively good relatively quickly. And um, it's the best way to do it, actually. Yeah. Like just got <laughs> thrown onto stage with a bunch of people who were relative to me really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just was always playing around with notes and ideas. And mm-hmm. um, I was writing in some capacity from like the moment I could get three notes out of the guitar and trying to figure out why do these things sound good? Why don't these things sound good and all Mm -hmm. that? And then, um, yada, 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 uh, ACM Pluto off brand. That's my, (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Jack, where you got, um, my dad has been playing drums for like 40 years at this point. He's in a classic rock cover band. Um, they're starting to do a bunch of original stuff too. Um, but so I grew up listening to um, not only things like Rush and ACDC and, you know, all that good stuff, but I also listened to my dad's band's EP when he, in like, that they recorded in like 1980. Mm-hmm. And I'd, so the music was always there and yeah, it yeah. was always in me to some capacity. And uh, weirdly, I'd never, like, I didn't want to play drums. I always wanted to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I, I had a cousin who had one who gave it to me because he just kind of gave up playing like so many people do. <laughs> and he, well, I was lucky enough to get that guitar. And then uh, I learned how to play by writing, like I, which is why I'm such a terrible lead guitar player, is because I didn't, I never learned like the, you know, the solo to Sweet Child of Mine. I never sure, did. Yeah, yeah. I was learning to play by writing songs with Gabe on the drums. And that's why I play how I am. And, uh, yeah, kind of same story. Me and Gabe, 113th Street, ACM, yeah, Noise yeah. Beat Sound, Operand. <laughs> That's it. 
Uh, what was each of your first guitar? <laughs> it was a super shitty. It was like a. It was a black Epiphone Les Paul like special model one cheap humbucker pickup and one. uh like i think th- like two like the volume knob was missing and it was like you know it was just a guitar that any teenage boy would just have in the corner of their their fucking room but i played the shit out of that thing you still have it no i ended up um i actually i traded it um to a i, I worked with this kid's dad um, and the dad had a drum set and he was like, I'll sell you this drum set. Cause I want to buy my son, his first guitar. And I was like, I have a better idea. How about I give your son my first guitar and that can be his first guitar. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool that I can, you know, maybe just pass on that, that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so no, I don't have it anymore. <laughs> um, my first guitar was a, uh, acoustic guitar the brand was Kona okay uh, and uh bought it at a pawn shop for my I'm sure they make more ukuleles than I yeah they do it was very much kind of that it, it looked vaguely beachy um <laughs> sounded vaguely beachy very bright and that's another good band name vaguely beachy. vaguely beachy yeah <laughs> uh yeah, and uh, that band needs to have a female lead singer so it can be misconstrued yeah, as vaguely yeah, bitchy. Uh-huh. Now you're thinking like we did. For yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, that was my first guitar. Um, I immediately started trying to figure out how to mangle the sound of it. I found out that I could take my first little MP3 player that had like voice memos on it, could put it inside the body, like yeah. hit record, put it inside the body, Makes get this gnarly distortion. Yeah. Uh, I my friend had a little uh, um, cheap ass karaoke machine that <laughs> found out if you turn it up all the way, it's, it, at it least in our minds, it up, sounds yeah. like a Marshall stack. So yeah, uh, <laughs> natural distortion, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, so digital kind of, clipping is what that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like immediately as soon as I had kind of sound at my disposal, it's like how do I get more sounds out of these sounds and mm-hmm. um, then. My first electric was a shitty little uh, Strat copy from China or something. And yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, now with more like philosophical type questions, yes. is there such a thing as bad music? Yes, <laughs> there absolutely is. Um, and I understand that. Everything is purely subjective. Mm-hmm. I'd like to introduce you to a band called Off Brand. <laughs> <laughs> you are the worst band in OKC. The worst. Mac, we said we were not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, no, uh, I think there is such a thing as bad music, and a lot of that has to do with the intent behind the music. Mm-hmm. Um, but since things are purely subjective, I think it's very important that I personally believe that you can learn something from every single piece of music that you hear, yeah. whether it's fucking you know the biggest pop song in the world whether it's you know um just you know the worst fucking band you've ever heard in your life down the street at a bar doesn't matter you can learn something even if it's what not to do Mm -hmm. from music so there is such a thing as bad music but that doesn't mean that it doesn't definitely have its place yeah i i honestly don't think so i just don't think that the 
I don't think the qualifier of good and bad in the way that we think about it usually applies to art. I think that there's mm -hmm. a lot of different like valid, intelligent ways to talk about art. And I, mm -hmm. I think good and bad is just, it's too black and white. It's not a very good one. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, cause like there are a bunch of different ideas people might have of what bad music might be. Mm. Like for some people, it's just music that's performed poorly, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, my first little musical outings in like middle school where it was just me and my buddies making noise for our other buddies, we mm. were having fun. They liked it. We liked it. That was good music, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, or it's like, oh, music is bad because it's, there's no art to it. It's purely commercial. It's purely a commodity, but mm. like music as a commodity is not a new thing. And yeah. that is a thing that can be done really well. Like, if somebody says, I need a song that makes people want to buy this product, if you can write that song, you have done something very difficult successfully. Mm -hmm. Therefore, yeah. it's not, it's hard to say that that's bad. Yeah. You know, so. You can tell this is Mac's favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was excited. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I guess I would be open to somebody trying to give me another interpretation, but I feel like there's a lot more interesting ways to talk about, to yeah. judge music. And I do think it can be judged. I think music mm. can be better or worse depending on the criteria, but mm. yeah. Um, what is selling out and, you know, is, is that even a thing anymore? And is it a bad thing? If anyone wants to, uh, have off brand sell out, uh, we're, we're down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's selling out as Nick Lay at ACM said it in one of my first classes I ever took where he said, uh, he's like, anyone who has ever called anyone a sellout has never been offered that kind of money mm -hmm. to quote unquote sell out. Yeah. And I think that's very true. And I think that it's an idealism that comes from being young and, you know, maybe being frustrated with where you're at or um, whatever the case may be. It's hard to say. I mean, selling out a lot of times is thrown in with a money discussion, which yeah. I think is fair. But I think a lot of it more has to do with if you're compromising, you know, if you're going, if you're doing something that you really feel like you shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. purely for money, then that's selling out, but no one else can tell you that you're selling out. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. if you go yeah. off to write a song for Katy Perry and you're making, you know, three million dollars a year to mm -hmm. have, you know, just write ghostwrite for some fucking pop star, and you're like, I don't give a shit, then you're not selling out. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. And who cares? But if you're doing I would something love to ghostwrite for Katy Perry. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if and if but if you're doing something where you are internally cringing even though you're taking the paycheck, then that's selling out. But that's a that's a personal mm. realization that you have to come to. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think most examples of the classic examples of bands selling out are either a case of like I would love to be in a situation where there was a song that I wrote that mm. is being brought to fruition by another producer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it would probably turn out to be something radically different than what I would normally do. Yeah. Um, but I would like that experience. And if it happened to turn into something that, you know, had a lot more monetary value to it, I think that would be great. And I sure. think if, like, 
you know, American Idiot by Green Day is a classic example where everyone was like, oh, they sold out. I was like, I think that they reached a point where they could do something that was a lot more ambitious than what they ever wanted to do or what they ever mm. could do before. And, um, and yeah, that super ambitious project also happened to be a lot more polished and a lot more, yeah. uh, produced. And so, um, I don't see that just as a example as anything different than, uh, somebody kind of being able to do what they want, but couldn't do on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And if you fall in love with what an artist does on their own, uh, you're not necessarily falling in love with the artist or what they really would like to be doing. Themselves, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Uh, you had sort of mentioned sort of intention as being part of the, uh, I guess how you judge, mm-hmm. uh, good or bad music. So, yeah. How important is authenticity in making music? Um, for me personally, I think it's super important. Um, but there's always a conversation to be had about, uh, you know, how much you really possess your own art. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I if I write a song um, and I really like it and... Um, and the fans really like it, mm-hmm. then that's really cool. And what happens is, is whenever you have a song like that, at least for me personally, you tend to feel like you're like, man, this is my song. Yeah. You know, like I heard this song on the radio, even though it's by this other artist, you know, you had nothing to do with it. You just heard it, but you really love it. And you're like, man, this is my fucking song. Yeah. And then they come out with another song down the line that, you know, you don't really like as much and maybe you feel like they're selling out or, or whatever the situation is, but there's a possessiveness that comes mm-hmm. with it as well as an intent behind the art to it. Um, and I think that a lot of people can tell when music is authentic yeah. and when it's not, um, as far as making money, not important at all. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with being a commercial success or anything like that. Um, but I think for me personally, at least it's, it's, it's important to be writing things that I believe in. And yeah. cause I don't think, you know, like Mac talked about that, that drive for me to just write and just spit stuff out is, yeah, is yeah. not driven by, man, I want to, I'm going to make so much money with this. It's driven by like, I just want to be doing it. And mm-hmm. so I don't know, that's, that's up to, that's up to the artist to decide, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it has nothing to do with making money at <laughs> all. You can make a shitload of money writing songs that you don't give a fuck about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's also also worth remembering that like on th- authenticity being applied to music as a listener is just such bullshit. Like there are so many different, uh, there are kind of signals for authenticity mm. that you can intentionally put into your music. That's so easy. Mm. Um, and there are so many things that like maybe me as an artist or me as a producer working with another band or something uh, that you might just really want to do and might really want to experiment with it to a listener just screams inauthenticity, mm. you know, that uh, really has nothing to do with, yeah. the question. So, you know, if you're ever listening to music, you're like, that feels, that feels inauthentic. Like mm-hmm. just go listen to something else. Yeah. <laughs> it has yeah. no, the yeah. authentic, the authenticity of the music has nothing to do with how authentic you feel like it is. 
Yeah. And if you feel like something's really authentic, that could just as easily be totally manufactured. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, because you, you can listen to, like, Rihanna and be like, wow, she performs that really well. Mm-hmm. But, like, of course she didn't write it. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> and Yeah, Rihanna. <laughs> Yeah, and it's Katy Perry. And yeah, all, yeah, blah 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 yeah. blah blah. blah, blah. These, sure, yeah. The giant list, list of all your favorite pop number yeah. one charting art- artists, <laughs> which I also feel like isn't the same Order. thing. Yeah, as yeah. authenticity, like you can perform someone else's song authentically, mm-hmm. and you can perform your own inauthentically. Mm-hmm. You know, True. there there are a million classic rock bands playing casinos every night where they're playing songs that they wrote in their 20s mm-hmm. as a completely different person yeah. about things that may or may not, that they might totally disagree with now. Uh, but they play it because, hey, this is a great way to make a living. And mm. that can be done in a way that's inauthentic, even if it's yeah the music was theirs and the music was written organically. You know? mm-hmm. Um. Now that we're basically an hour into the podcast, I'll start at the second half of the interview podcast. <laughs> Gosh, right. dang it. So is this the second episode? No, this is, I'm just going to – we'll see how long this goes. This is just going to okay. be a long-ass episode. Okay, okay. cool. Uh, I'm down. <laughs> uh, and there's no good transition, so what is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Go first. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I was hoping – oh, we can just burn through these questions, but this is – you, you picked a weird time to ask this for me. Uh, you knew this was coming. You I, listened I, to I the podcast. I do listen to the podcast. I knew it was coming. Um, it also doesn't come up in every episode. Or it does. No, it does come up in every Anyway, sorry. Um, so I uh, considered a very big part of my identity for most of my life uh, Christianity. Mm. And... Um. We were kind of having a conversation before the three of us before we started, and um, the kind of was is is where I'm at in that like there were a lot of assumptions that were never questioned mm. when I was raised. Yeah, you know, um, or when they were questioned, there was always a very powerful answer for here's why we believe the way that we do. And it was always like, Oh, well there was this, uh, miraculous, incredible event in like, Oh, say the translation of this particular, uh, passage of scripture or whatever, and all these different things. And then, um, sort of moving away from home and, uh, learning a bunch of stuff. There's all these different phases where like when I was growing up, uh, apologetics were really, really big. Yeah. Like the, the church that I grew up in was all about teaching you how to defend your faith. Like if there is this challenge to your faith, here's how you defend it kind of internally and externally. Like, Mm. um, and so I grew up with this understanding that like, there's not a lot about the world that conflicts with the faith that I grew up with. There's nothing Mm. that I know now that invalidates the faith that I grew up with. Mm. But the reasons why I was kind of taught to believe that in the first place um, aren't as solid as I thought. Like the the history of Christian scripture is a mess. 
Um, <laughs> like there's not a clear cut line to uh, like from, you know, Abraham to now mm-hmm. in terms of how all of these books got brought together and translated and written and yada, 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 which again, doesn't invalidate like mm-hmm. the faith that I grew up with, but uh, it also doesn't leave much of a foundation for why to believe that in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's, kind of where I am right now. Like I still, for the most part, I draw my morality from the faith that I grew up with, Mm. uh, with some exceptions, uh, that even those exceptions are not necessarily opposed to, um, sort of evangelical Christianity. It's just, uh, there's just so many different interpretations of everything and so many different opinions about everything. And they're all equally (laughs) valid. They all are brought forth by people who earnestly and honestly believe it Mm. um, that right now I just have a really hard time putting a finger on any one particular Mm. thing on whether it's like the divinity of or the inspiration of scripture and yada, yada, yada and all that. So um, I guess right now, if I had to put my finger on anything, I would say I am uh I guess agnostic, like, um, but I don't think, uh, I couldn't say I don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even say I don't believe in like the Christian God. Yeah. Um, I just have very little to go on in terms of like Hmm. how confidently I can or can't believe in that. And then what the thing is I'd be believing in in the yeah. first place. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where yeah. I'm at right now. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but I, I appreciate your willingness to be sort of unknowing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's kind of, I decided a long time ago that it was very important for me personally to be okay with not knowing whether it's, spirituality or whether it's politics or whether it's whatever, like Mm. like my job as a person is to know as much as I can gather as much sort of data as I can about Mm. the world that I live in. And then when something comes up where I have to make a decision, that's the time to kind of try to assemble all of that data and all of those opinions and all of everything I know about the world into the best choice I can make. Yeah. Um, and until then, if it's not relevant to me, I'm kind of okay with going, I don't know. I know a lot, like whatever the subject is, I try to know a lot about it, mm-hmm. you know, but if it, if it's not, I'm not going to get into a fight about something that affects other people more than it affects me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or get in a fight about something that I can't honestly say is true and matters. Like if it's something I believe to be true, but it doesn't matter, I'm not going to fight about it. And if it's something that maybe matters a lot, but I don't really know, then I'm not going to get a fight. I'm just going to be like, this is, I don't know. This is the things that I do know. And I, at this point, can't draw any real conclusions from Mm. it. So yeah. (laughs) Thank you. That's it. Boy. (sighs) Follow that. Uh, well, (laughs) I'm trying to keep my answer very succinct. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
You can take your time. He, he's I mean, like, yeah, the, explain like the philosophy of yeah. like modern Christianity and yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I grew up strictly Catholic. Hey, me too. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> meeting at church camp. Um, yeah, yeah, grew up sh- strictly Catholic, and uh, I was very proud to be Catholic, and I really adhered to. Um, teachings and everything like that the, devoutly until I was about 18. And then um, I, don't, I really don't think it had anything to do with me going to college necessarily, but it definitely had a lot to do with the fact that I was no longer in private school. Mm-hmm. So I was in private Catholic schools all my life until I yeah. graduated from high school. Yeah. And um, I'm very grateful for that education. I don't want to misconstrue that. Um mm-hmm. Because I I know that I have benefited immensely from that experience. However, being in that sort of environment um, is very uh, it's very strange because you know you're around a lot of kids that are slowly growing into young adults that are you know a lot of them are very rebellious mm-hmm. and very like you know well obviously you know I'm not Catholic or blah blah blah. Um, and I was never, I was never that, like I had, you know, my own rebellions, but it was like weirdly never about faith. And Mm -hmm. so for a long time I was just, I was, I was in it like in every aspect, you know, I went to church and I was, went to private school. So I was constantly surrounded by it. Yeah. And once I started to get out of it and I started to meet a lot of people that were from totally different walks of life. You know, not that I'd never met anyone who wasn't Catholic before, but it's just a matter of scale. You know, once you're around a lot more people that are not Catholic, you take in a lot more ideas. And I became much more open to um, external influences. And I I realized how important it was to remain open Mm -hmm. to that kind of thing, because at least in Catholicism, faith is very much about, you know, you need to be secure in your faith and because if you're not, like someone's going to manipulate you or, or hurt mm-hmm. you in some way. And information <laughs> is not the enemy. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that I had with Catholicism for a long time. And I didn't know it was happening to me. You know, I was super young. Like mm-hmm. it was – I, I don't just want to play the victim card. You know, um, it was – but it was very – hard to see the outside forces because I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for them. Now, as an adult, I very much so feel that information is absolutely not the enemy. And you should have conversations with people that have totally different viewpoints from you and and learn from them. And it's just like listening to music. You can take something from every single song you listen to. You can take something from every single fucking religion out there. Mm-hmm. I took a world religion class and it was fucking incredible. <laughs> Blew my mind. Like yeah. so much of, of Buddhism and Islam and Judaism and, you know, all the different sects of Christianity and all this stuff that I just had no fucking idea about. Mm. And sitting there in, in class in a Catholic high school listening to uh, my devout Catholic teacher talk about the the teachings of Buddhism and the, and the day-to-day teachings of some of these religions, I was like... Uh, my mind was blown by mm-hmm. all these by all these facts, and it was like it wasn't that learning that information was like, whoa, 
Catholicism is super wrong and we're yeah. all, you know, sheep and, and whatever. That, <laughs> that was never the case. It was just like, man, there's so much out here that the Catholic Church actively discourages. And I didn't care for that at all. Mm. My, my favorite Bible verse that I found is, uh, it's Thessalonians. I don't remember what it is, but it's, um, test all things, hold fast what is true. And until recently, that had never really stuck in my mind. I, I went to church for however many years. I definitely heard that Bible verse before. Yeah, but yeah. until I got older, it didn't really latch on to me now. And I'm like, man, this should be your mantra every fucking day is mm-hmm. like, you can't just you can't just believe something because somebody tells you it's true. Even mm-hmm. if it's your mom, even yeah. if it's, you know, someone you really trust, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, uh, you know, if that makes me a doubting Thomas or whatever you fucking <laughs> want to call it, it's like, I'll, I'll proudly wear that badge. But I want to have that conversation with you. Don't mm. write me off because it's like, oh, he used to be Catholic and he's not anymore. So we don't <laughs> talk to Jack anymore. He's in a rock band. He's got off the fucking rails. <laughs> um, you know, those Martin boys over there. Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, I absolutely want to have those conversations. And mm. it's like very early on, it was like I was encouraged to talk to a priest about it, about my my questions with my faith. Mm. And uh, I was like, that's a good conversation to have. That makes sense to me. Mm. But I'm also going to talk to the Buddhist monk and mm. I'm going to go to the temple over here and I'm going to talk to, you know, the, the Jewish family that I know over mm. here and whatever. And it's like, it's so much of it is more similar than yeah. people think. And it spirituality does not play a large role in my day-to-day life, um, but I think it's a very fascinating study of people and their motivations. And I think that just in general, um, I try to be more open every day with mm-hmm. uh, just trying to better myself and understand people a little bit better because that's yeah. what it's about. It's, yeah. it's about people. That yeah. was not short. It was good though. Thanks, man. I think you let, beat me. Let the Boom! record. You won religion. <laughs> let the record show that that is exactly how I want that question to be answered. <laughs> okay. How many episodes? Uh, like, the big like, like are both you? of, like both of you answering in this, like, well, here's kind of a story, and here's kind of where I am, and here's all the other stuff, and uh, by the end of it, it's just kind of like, yeah, all of that. Like, that's exactly <laughs> how I want the question. I don't want just like a, yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic. So what you're saying is, <laughs> so what you're saying is, is that with every next guest of Bit Depth, you will play this episode for them as a template for the ideal guest. I don't no. know that he's. We can move on. We can we move won. on. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying for whoever else is listening, and if you are eventually on, that that's how I like it. That, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and it's not necessarily that the problem is having a solid conclusion at the end of it. No, no, no. It's, it's just, just that like, I, I want the story and yeah. the, the, well, I think the you, thinking out loud yeah. and the everything. I mean, <laughs> Mac and I have these discussions yeah. outside of this podcast as yeah, well. Yeah. So it's like you we're we're good guests for this show for that reason <laughs> because we're already debating these topics. Yeah. So, um, where does good come from? How do you determine what is good? Oh, geez. So I'm about to almost kind of backtrack on a bunch of stuff I just said. Sweet. And say that uh, basically the Bible. I've, I've come – not the not the Bible. <laughs> uh, but either, either good comes from God, whoever and whatever and however that is. Mm-hmm. 
Um, or it's just kind of a lie that we came up with so that we don't like, so that we can continue to function as a species. Like it's one of those two things in my opinion. I don't think that's the duality of Mac right there. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm happy. Oh God is dead. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of it. It's like either there is some sort of external thing Mm -hmm. that instills this, into us as people and into the world, mm. uh, or there isn't, and we just made it up. And it's just chemist brain chemistry and yeah, whatever else to it. <laughs> um, and at this point, I mean, maybe either solution is equally valid. Um, the reason why I don't go full on like, oh, I am a agnostic slash atheist is because I still lean more in the direction of I think yeah, that it's a thing that is instilled in us mm. from. Uh, something outside of ourselves. I don't think that th- that conflicts with like like the whole problem of evil thing. I don't think is <laughs> if there is some sort of ultimate overall power that created everything and instills these sort of overall morality, this mm. overall morality into us. I think that the problems of what we think are bad or <laughs> kind of irrelevant. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jack, what do you got? So the question is, where does good come from? Yeah, yeah. How, oh, how do we determine man. what is good? How do we well, that's determine different. what is good? Yeah. <laughs> um, where does good come from? How do we determine what is good? That is, that's a thinker right there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to try to answer your question. As, With a question, as, no, as best that I can, that I was thinking. as as best as best as I can, um, and I hope it's relevant enough. Um, I mean, basically, what I got is, how do we determine what is good? Is people are people are very concerned about what other people are doing, and I think for the most part that um, there's a quote that I really like where we judge other people by their worst actions and judge ourselves by our best intentions. And I think that that's very, very true. And that um, good comes from, we determine what is good by, uh, like I said, our, our, our own intentions versus other people's actions. And that's, it's a, it's dual nature. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. There's a, there's a confrontation there that when faced with the reality of the situation, a lot of times just can't align. So, um, I think good comes from people just like you do you try not to fuck with other people. And that's, uh, you know, that's all you can ask for, I guess. I hope that answers your question. That's a really hard question. (laughs) People didn't ask me that in my religion class in high school. So, which is kind so of they didn't want you surprising. To think too hard yeah, about they, it. Didn't, yeah. they were just like, "Now open your Bibles." We didn't read the Bible; we were Catholic. Just open your religion book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, bit depth. Turning musicians into philosophers since like three years ago. Uh, <laughs> um, That's a long podcast, man. Yeah. I mean, Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> we'll see. Um, oh yeah, there's there's a uh, okay. Uh, what is your definition of God? Whoever wants to take that first. Definition. I, I, of I feel like I established I don't have one. <laughs> cool. The the thing out there 
that may or may not exist. We got a good picture of it the other day. Did we? The black hole, yeah. I mean, that's, that is a really interesting... So it, I'm not going to get into it, but in my journey from devout evangelical Christian to where I am now, mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of really interesting ideas and places, and I could be very tempted to take your black hole comment and just <laughs> blow it up. But We'll do that on the next one. Do it on the next one. What was the question? What is your definition of God? I think that life is way bigger than anyone on earth has any even remote concept of. And I think that in Catholicism, the concept of false idols is thrown a lot around a lot. You mm-hmm. use, um, you know, you worship sex or money or drugs. That's usually what they told you you worship. Right, but right, you right. can worship good things too. Mm-hmm. You can worship music. You can worship art. You can worship, you can worship people. You can idolize people in a certain way, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think God is whatever helps you move through your life towards a positive net result and helping as many people along the way as you can. So whatever does that for you, that's that's what God is. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, you know, just and and if that your God is a God, you know, if being Catholic is what is making your life the best life that you can live, then great. Um if your God is um food because you're a master chef at some restaurant and you're you're doing what you feel like your life's calling us, then that's your God. And I think that that's fine. It's whatever you value is most important in your life and helps you become the ultimate version of yourself. Yeah. I uh, love this. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, you're about to have a lot of fun with this one. Uh, Cake or pie? Is, oh, wait. Sorry, no, spoilers. No, no, no. Is free will an illusion? <laughs> I What's d- the question? Is free will an illusion? Oh, is free will an illusion? Or rather just is free will? God, I just watched an hour and a half long free podcast about mark? the Matrix like a week ago, and my mind yeah, the, is like fucking reeling. Yeah, the Matrix is a lot about free will. <laughs> Especially the second one. Yeah. Um, is free will an illusion? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's I mean, a valid answer. There are, <laughs> there are certain things that your own nature compels you to do. Um, there are certain things that your human body compels you to do, like eating and sleeping and shit and shitting. And shitting. Um, there are certain things that your own nature compels you to do, like you know you want to you want to make people laugh or you want to uh, you know you want to. Um, Tell people to have a good day or be on stage or or whatever it is. Um, But I think that ultimately free will comes down to motivation. Mm. That to me is the tipping point. So like you can have the free will to decide like I'm going to be – I'm going to be the biggest fucking musician in the world. Like, okay, mm-hmm. great. You've made that decision. That's, you know, a lot of that has to do with your nature and who you who you want to be and who you want to become. Great. I think the free will comes in when the motivation starts to kick in or starts to fade. Mm-hmm. So if you have the motivation to do it and you're like, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to make this happen, that's where your free will comes in. Because you don't have to fucking do that Fair at all. Enough. You know, if you're like, man, you know, I really want to be the greatest musician in the world. And today... I'm going to play Skyrim 
until my eyes bleed. Well, that didn't really help you. I might take more than one day. Yeah, but <laughs> you had you had the free will to do that, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't think free will is an illusion because it comes down to motivation. Mm-hmm. If if you're doing something extra, like being a musician, that's that's a that's a free will choice. I, um, this kind of goes back to like something that I, I find the foundation of a lot of my beliefs in is the idea that like, if something, if something, if there's something where I'm not both sure of it and it matters, then I don't really feel the need to come to a conclusion of, and, Mm -hmm. uh, Having listened to many, many episodes of Bit Depth and heard many, many answers to this question, ultimately the conclusion I've come to, which is going to make me sound like a massive tool, uh, yes. is that I – You're totally one of my favorite bands. <laughs> me too. Me too. New album in May. Really? The, Probably. They, they gave a release date? Well – no, they didn't. May or June? Don't pretend. Uh, uh, May, I mean, it's never coming out. May <laughs> of 2025 or something, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll come crash a podcast recording and be like, bitch, told you. Um, no, so uh, I don't actually find it a – so to, to be a massive douche, sure. uh, I, I, I don't find it a terribly interesting question just, cool. be, just because like – Like we all definitely think we're making decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, and we all are definitely uh, taking actions Mm -hmm. that we definitely think we're responsible for and we see results of those actions. And so like does it's kind of like the question of like do we live in a simulation? Like does Mm -hmm. it matter? Yeah. Like is there – I mean there might be different decisions you would make if you assume one thing or the other, mm-hmm. but like still either there is free will and you're making those decisions or there's not and you're not. Yeah. And nothing changes by knowing nothing changes one way or the other. Yeah. If, if, if it is or isn't, um, there is a, there's a philosophy that I find really, really poetic that cool. kind of, that I, it resonates with me and I like it. I don't necessarily believe it, but uh, and I can't remember. There's some guy who was like a philosopher in like the 60s um, who I cannot remember the name of, but I went on a whole binge of listening to a bunch of his stuff. And he has this idea that like you, you are what the universe is doing in the place that you call here and now. Hmm. Uh, like you are – as much a part of the universe as a wave is a part of the ocean. It's just mm-hmm. what that big thing happens to be doing in this one little spot. That Ramdas? I have no fucking idea. It's Except, a very Buddhist yeah. Yeah. thought. And, yeah. And and that kind of idea leans to no. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that sounds really cool. It's kind mm-hmm. of a it's sort of a spirituality that exists outside of like deism. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh but again, it doesn't really answer the question, sure, sure. and it no, doesn't. It doesn't really matter. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> so I think your question you. is very good. I think it's also stupid. <laughs> Thanks. No. <laughs> Thanks. You're never being on Bitnet again. <laughs> I just peeked the shit out of that. No, no, you're good. Uh, actually, you didn't. Uh, let's see. Uh, how do we reduce the division 
that uh, has permeated our political discourse. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that will probably increase the division. Just mentioning Jesus oh, is probably going you know. <laughs> is the right guy to have on this podcast. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you've seen me on yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the internet. Uh, I... I, there, there's a lot of answers to this question that can make people feel really good about themselves and sure. put the onus on other people. But honestly, like to reduce the division, you have to decide that you're going to and then do it. Mm. Like you have to make a point to be fair and honest in discussions, mm -hmm. to make points based on what to the best of your knowledge, and you have to do the work to get to this point to make arguments based on facts, mm -hmm. be open to being wrong about facts. Like there's a bunch of really pretty simple decisions that you have to make and then follow through with to reduce division and to reduce like general world suck, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And those things are not easy and those things are not, uh, um, you know, some of those things are, painful it's painful yeah. to be like i could very well be wrong about any individual thing that i believe sure you know uh you have to be willing to accept that even other belief systems that you find repugnant mm -hmm. that other people can come to those beliefs as honestly as you came to your own uh and be able to have conversations with other people kind of on that level playing field Mm -hmm. of I respect you and I respect your belief in the world, even if your beliefs lead you to conclusions that I find horrifying. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's hard. <laughs> it's hard to do. Like uh, there are people who with the information that they have been given, with the level of knowledge that they have about the world, honestly come to conclusions that are, you know, for instance, super racist. Yeah. And <laughs> unfortunately, you're never going to make anything better for anybody unless you can allow yourself to accept that they came to that conclusion honestly. And mm -hmm. so in order for there to be any kind of a conversation about it, you have to respect that. And um, while I don't think anybody who's going into a conversation with like – an incredibly racist person. I don't think that the conclusion that's going to come out of the conversation is that the non-racist person is going to realize they're wrong, but you have to go into that conversation with the same amount of honesty mm -hmm. of saying, Hey, this person came to these beliefs, honestly, and maybe there's some truth that yeah. they have that I don't. And maybe you, mm -hmm. you run the risk of uncovering that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that risk is very high in that <laughs> instance. I mean, you do in at least particular. have to run the question by yourself. Why is racism bad? Yeah. So why like is racism <laughs> bad? Um, yeah. Like you've got to, and just cause, or because somebody told me or because it feels wrong. <laughs> none of those things are really good answers, mm. you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's a, it's a big question with a relatively simple answer that is a big task. Yeah. Big question, little answer, big job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I would say that, um, to your point where, uh, you have to, you know, to accept something or not accept something based on whether or not it feels good or bad. I think that those initial instincts are very important. Sure. While you cannot, 
just roll with that. <laughs> and, you know, like no further examination needed, your honor. You know, you need to you need to take into account those initial instincts because they are they are important. Mm-hmm. And if you if you accept those initial instincts as far as um, accepting them, as far as acknowledging them, mm-hmm. um, that will lead you to some very important personal truths about who you are mm-hmm. as a person. And like Max said, it's, it's a very big task um, that can start really small. Mm-hmm. Do you have to acknowledge, like you said, I, I, I like that phrase, that, that everybody came by their beliefs honestly. Like mm-hmm. it's... And to be fair, not everyone does. Yeah, yeah. But you have to accept that they could have. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's definitely a situation where, God, everybody just needs more fucking empathy and, and a willingness to sit down with somebody that looks totally different from them or sounds totally different from them or what the fuck ever, whether it's race or religion or sex or politics or anything like that, just sit down with them and be like, okay, you know, my name's Jack, 24, <laughs> uh, you know, and, you know, the, I use the joke hashtag respect my journey a lot, <laughs> but like you should, you should. And, you know, you have to respect where keep where people came from, where they're trying to go to. And if we just had – if you acknowledge the fact that you need to be open to having a little more empathy for people, and there's never a cap on that. There's mm-hmm. never a point where you're like, I am 100% empathetic. That's not Doesn't a thing. Happen, yeah. Doesn't mm-hmm. happen. You're always continuing to grow and you need to um, be open to the fact that you need to grow. It's a personal journey that everybody has to go on. And a lot of people either don't have the time or don't realize that they need to do it or whatever the situation is. But so much of it just comes from being closed-minded. And, uh, and that's to everybody. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're the most progressive, liberal left or the super conservative right where you both feel like you've lived these entire lives that, you know, sit on totally different sides of a spectrum. Um you need to be open to the fact that it's like, you know, maybe maybe they got something there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how to fix the problem. Uh, raise taxes. <laughs> lower, lower taxes. <laughs> close the border. Uh, no borders. Yeah. All, yeah. The, all the. At the same time, close the borders and get rid of them. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and then, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Four more questions. All right. We'll burn through them. Let's do it. Uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> what are you optimistic about for our future? Food. Next. <laughs> I'm actually real hungry. <laughs> um, optimism for whose future? Our future. Human race. Our lifetime. The royal probably. we. Yeah. <laughs> um, genuinely, probably medical science. Cool. Just could people cool. die from so much stupid shit? <laughs> you know, like like you look back, like even just like 80 years ago, mm. and it's like, what would you fucking die from? Like, oh, you fucking oh, measles. Yeah. Wait a second. It's like, oh, you got fucking hep C from a goddamn outhouse. God damn it. You I know, measles because there's like 300 cases in yeah. New York right yeah. now. It's hilarious. It's People super, are dying. super fucking funny. Um, no, probably just medical science. I mean, like there's going to be so much cool shit, you know, fucking augmented reality and, you know, age reversal, cell regeneration, like all this kind of shit. <laughs> That's gonna come and go whether we wanted to or not. We might sure. we might be the generation that has to make the decision to say if we wanna to live to be three hundred fucking years old. Sure. Who knows? Uh probably just medical science. I mean, Neat. you know, like I said, so many people die from needless things that are just yeah. tragedies. 
And, you know, with people being able to now you have crazy prosthetic limbs and all yeah, this yeah. stuff like that. I think it's very important to allow like damn near anybody that's born to live a fairly like, quote unquote, normal and yeah, progressive yeah. life. So, yeah, that's medical me. science. That's yeah. why we're musicians. <laughs> Making the world a better place. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to have a platform to try to convince everyone else that, you know, vaccines are good. Yeah. And that's and why we started off. Please, Isn't please, that right? please write more uh, vaccines are good songs. We will. We will. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mac, what do you got? Um, what am I optimistic about? Yeah. Um, quite a lot. I, I'm one of the more optimistic people that I know. Uh, like... First of all, just like hard data, the world is getting better all the time. Mm -hmm. Like crime is down pretty much everywhere. Like uh, poverty is down. Life expectancies are up. Quality of life is up. Like the world is objectively getting better. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the big challenge for that is climate change. Uh, mm -hmm. Might It's the biggest risk of like reversing that trend. Yeah. But um, even then, like I think the risk in terms of like uh, chances that things get much worse quicker than we think are going to is higher than what most people want to believe that it is. <laughs> but I also think that the risk of that leading to total annihilation of humans is also sure. lower than what most people think that it might be. Um, even like worst case scenario, we're getting dramatically better at feeding more people with less land area all the time. Mm -hmm. Like that's science that is incredible. Like I think that the thing that I'm optimistic about is just that like the actual honest data for the most part is pretty positive about Sweet. what's happening for yeah, humanity. Yeah. So um, there's no need to necessarily be scared of the future. And yeah. I honestly think that that should motivate us to care more about things like yeah. the environment because like no 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 like we is this is not make it or break it do or die like we are going to have a future as a species like mm -hmm. there it, there's not a lot of thresholds we can cross which means we don't have a future to worry about mm. you know so the fact that chances are most of us are going to live for the next you know at least most like the three of us in this room and yeah, the people yeah, yeah. that we kind of interact with on a regular basis, yeah, yeah. probably going to live for the next 40 to 60 years yeah. uh, without too much trouble. Sure. And there's going to be a world there that's probably, probably has more opportunity than the one that we have now mm -hmm. uh, means that we have a responsibility to like do good stuff. And I think yeah. that if enough people can kind of get on board with that, that um, there's more to be optimistic about than not, then that can actually help us do more good Keep things, going. which can have there be more things to be optimistic yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what makes you happy? Podcasts with Santiago. <laughs> well, thank you. Also food. Yeah. Yeah. Same answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, music and friends. I mean, I don't want to say that music is not important in my band setting, but the band wouldn't be here without the fact that I have relationships with these people. Yeah. And so that's, I would venture to say that that is more important than the music aspect of it. The yeah. music is born because of the relationships that I grew up with, with Gabe exactly. and with Jeff and with Mac. And it's, that's why the music's there. Mm -hmm. Um, so what makes me happy is just like spending time with those guys and 
if this is what allows me to kind of drive that train to get us to spend that time together and create a future for ourselves doing mm -hmm. what we want to do, then, uh, then that's, that's, that's great. So I think mm -hmm. hanging out, just chilling with the homies, a, a, a less, a more serious answer sure, sure. of what makes me happy is like, uh, Oh, did I ruin your thing? No, no, okay. <laughs> not more serious than you, more serious than okay. food that's, and podcasts. Right. Um, <laughs> although podcasts is related, like music is huge for me. And friendships are huge for me, but both of those things and podcasts and a whole bunch of other stuff kind of fall under like, I love learning things. Mm. Like not a lot of things make me happier than learning how to accomplish something musically or how to accomplish something in a studio or learning more about probably the biggest thing is just learning more about people. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like people very much. I like persons. Yeah. Like I enjoy having a conversation with a person. I say about that them. a lot actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I, I don't remember. Maybe I subconsciously picked that up from a, picked that up from an episode, but yeah. um, I love learning about people. I love learning about science and just philosophy and different ideas. Like the amount of time I spend on sort of the educational side of YouTube is <laughs> shameful and hilarious, <laughs> but it just makes me so happy. Did you right. hate school? I did hate school. Yeah. That's uh, the crazy thing, isn't it? Now, so many people that are our age and older, like once you get to a certain point, it's like, man, I fucking hated school, but I love listening to educational podcasts. Yeah. It's because like, it's embarrassing. The format is awful. Yeah. Once, like sit down, shut up and listen to the thing that I'm like spewing at you in yeah. the worst way possible, yeah. which is like yeah. just... Yeah. Like most of the value yeah. of learning things is not in being able to retell it to somebody else. Most of the value in learning things is kind of this like aggregate thing that happens in your brain. Like I don't have to remember every piece of history that I ever learned, but you put it all together and just spin it around in your mind for a little while. Mm. And then it becomes this like more nuanced, more accurate picture of the world. And that is useful. So like being able to spit a bunch of dates out or – uh practicing a whole, whole lot at like multiplication tables. Sure. Not really helpful. Like once I've learned the thing, I just want to move on and learn the next yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway. Um, what advice do you have for people? I have no room whatsoever to be giving anyone <laughs> advice about anything. My advice is my I whole question. Often, yeah. my, whole, my whole bit on – fixing division or whatever. That's all the advice I have for anybody because that cool. is the only thing I feel like I have any amount of accuracy. On. <laughs> so. uh, I mean, as far as just general yeah, advice, yeah. I, have, I have two pieces of information. One, if you want to do something, you have to just start. Yeah. Just start. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. If it's terrible, it sucks dick. And, you know, Max karaoke machine that he thought was a half martial half stack back in the day that probably fucking sucked but you have to start and he thought it was awesome and that's what's important about that so if you want to be a musician if you want to be an artist if you want to be a fucking pilot it doesn't matter you just have to start yeah. even if it's hey i want to be a pilot so i'm going to go on youtube and look up some a pilot mm -hmm. thing even Download if you don't a even know simulator game yeah even if you don't know where you're supposed to start Mm -hmm. Just start somewhere. The other piece of advice is you have to find something that works for you. 
So if you, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you can't just run to the gym and grab, you know, the biggest weight you can find and just kill yourself trying yeah, to lift it. You have to motivate yourself in a way that works for you. And it doesn't matter what kind of profession it is, if it's cooking or drawing or teaching mm. or whatever the situation is, you have to find what works for you. Because if you're dreading, you know, your guitar lessons, but you want to play guitar, then you need to find another way to learn how to play guitar other yeah. than guitar lessons. Yeah. So there's not just one way to learn something and that's not taught. Yeah. So that's very important uh, to kind of, a lot of, I, I had to learn that the hard way at least. So mm. that's all I got. Yeah. You're so confident. <laughs> I am. I'm always like, my answers to questions are like, oh, maybe I don't this know, thing. Maybe this thing. And Jack's like, here's what you need to know. Yeah, but here's <laughs> the thing is that in 10 years, when people can be like, well, he said that he definitely believes this and you're super wishy-washy, <laughs> I'm going to get thrown under the bus big time. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing you're not like the face of the band. Or I know. Anything. Thank God. <laughs> thank, thank God. Um, of course, cake or pie. Jack, I want to know what your answer to this is. Cake or pie? Yeah. Um, I I have to say cake. Cool. Like, but I feel like my answer isn't really that fair because growing up I didn't eat a lot of pie, and now that I'm older, I'm really not that into sweets anymore. Fair. So I really haven't had very much pie. Which kind of sucks because I think I would honestly really like pie more, like an apple pie or something like that. I think I would like that a lot more now than I did as a kid. Back then I was like, I want fruit in my dessert. Fuck you. <laughs> like, get this out of here. Any kind of fruit cake or anything like that was bullshit. But, I mean, fruit uh, cake's awful, but you know. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. I'd have to say cake. Cool. I, I do like some cake every once in a while. Sweet. It blows my mind every time I hear an episode of Bit Depth that anybody says anything other than pie. I yeah. don't even I don't even understand <laughs> what world you people are living in. Well, the real answer is brownies. I mean, <laughs> but but that's just me. I would classify brownies as cake. Okay, well then I'm definitely on the cake side of things. <laughs> I'm still on the pie side, but if brownies count as cake, then it's I'm more tolerant of dissent. See, this is what sure. I'm talking about. Sure. We need to be open to our similarities, respect no, our journeys. You, <laughs> it's all about the brownies, man. <laughs> Just bring the brownies together. Uh, I think Aiden McCool has said cookies. I, I can't really classify cookies within either cake or pie. So. They're definitely more like cake than pie. Yeah, yeah. Is his last name McCool? Yeah. Is that his actual last name? Yeah. That's so... Yeah, he's basically really that's, good. That's pretty yeah, no, I remember cool. the episode, but I assumed it was like a stage name. No, yeah, that's, that's his name. That's not. That's not <laughs> cool. That's unfair. <laughs> um, so you're you're very staunchly pie. Pie. Yeah. Brownies. <laughs> Bitches be tripping. Um. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for doing this with me. Um, yeah. For anyone who was like, "Ooh, off brand. This will be a fun, interesting thing." This will be and hilarious. Just got, like dense philosophy. Well, <laughs> well, that's bit depth. We're here. We're here to talk about the real issues. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get we'll get Gabe and Jeff on some kind of radio show where they just play fart noises. The whole sure, time that's fine. That's what um, people want. Yeah. Well, if if you see a show named Bit Depth, you're either going to have like deep conversation or like in depth conversations about like digital uh, audio file. Yeah, yeah. I it was, file management. At first, I thought it was like a video game production. thing. Like when you first started back in the day, I thought it was a video <laughs> game thing. I do talk about video games a lot often. <laughs> um, plug your stuff well 
we have, if anyone's still listening after <laughs> two and a half hours, we, uh, we're, we're, we're off brand and we have a song. Our next single is going to be coming out. It's called Oh So Sensitive. And we're super fucking excited about it. I don't know if we're doing two episodes or not. I don't know where we decided I think on we- that can we think we can we'll just make the second one short yeah sure okay so so we're announcing that the single is coming out in this right now yeah so what's what's the date of the second episode (laughs) the (laughs) um so this episode should be may 2nd uh and then the next episode will be may 9th so our single comes out may 9th may 9th is that may 9th we all found out collectively that our single comes out may 9th yes good Future past tense. Thanks for still listening. We <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. We'll have to open the next episode with, by the way, new singer, go listen to it now before we like, yeah, yeah, scare yeah. anyone off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, and where can we find the things on the websites and social Everywhere. media? Everywhere. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, <laughs> fucking Napster. Napster. On Napster? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. We are. How yeah. about that? <laughs> yeah, we're on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, Pandora. whatever. Follow us everywhere. Off-brand, band, or off-brand. I don't know. We had to choose some different names, but it's right. fine. You'll find it. We're the barcode. There it is. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm Jack Martin. I'm Max Siegel. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. You can download or pay for my demo, Songs with Words. Um, let's see. Oh no, crap. Uh, yeah, that show already happened. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> um, I will eventually be posting the audio and probably video of my graduate composition performance. If you want to enjoy that, and, I do. Um, I guess just just pay attention to the social media so you can. Yeah, so go to my website. You can get the podcast on like almost everywhere. I don't know of any places that I don't have it on. So, (laughs) Uh, but leave comments, reviews and stuff that helps me know that people are actually listening to this. Um, And uh, yeah, just let me know, like, if you like the conversation, there's stuff that you didn't like about me. Don't, don't harp on my guests because they're nice people. Um, (laughs) You don't know that for sure. um, And I always end my podcast my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. Woo. <laughs>